Hi, everyone. It's Jen DeWall. And on this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast, Wendy's H. Steele came on to talk about the power of generosity at work. We need it right now. As you'll hear about in the episode, we talk about the benefits to our brain, to our ability to manage stress by being a little bit more generous. But before I dive in, let me tell you a little bit more about Wendy. Recognized by Forbes in 2021 as one of 50 women over 50 who are leading the world in impact, Wendy H. Steele is the founder of Impact 100, a grassroots global movement in women's philanthropy. Since inception in 2001, Impact 100 chapters have invested more than $123 million in local nonprofits across more than 65 cities and countries. And I hope you enjoy today's conversation as Wendy and I talk about the work of Impact 100, but talk about why you actually need to bring generosity into your workplace and into your team. Enjoy. Welcome, Wendy, to the Leadership Habit Podcast. We are so excited to have you today to talk about the power of giving back and the benefits of generosity at work. I think it's something that's maybe undervalued or just not seen as a way to add value in any way. But I'm excited for our conversation where we can talk about how we can bring generosity into the workplace because, heck, the world, the workplace, everyone just needs a little bit more caring. But Wendy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Jen. I'm excited to be here. Now, Wendy, I always have every guest that's on the show introduce themselves. Um, I am so excited for you to share your mission, Impact 100. But if you wouldn't mind, would you go ahead and just tell our audience a little bit more about who you are and what you do? You bet. Thank you. Well, I'm Wendy Steele. And a little over 20 years ago, I created Impact 100. I created it because I relocated from the East Coast of this country to Cincinnati, Ohio. And in doing so, met a bunch of amazing women and was introduced to a lot of powerful nonprofits. And in that process, I would invite women to become involved in whatever I was doing in the nonprofit world. Bear in mind, my full-time job at the time was a banker. And so I had this day job and my hobby, my outside fun activity was giving back. I was so surprised, I think, and disappointed when women would repeatedly tell me reasons they couldn't get involved in the community. And it bothered me so much. One day in the summer of 2001, I got out a spiral notebook and I started to write down everything I'd heard them say, all the reasons, the legitimate barriers for why they weren't involved in the community. Now, some of it was things like they traveled for work or they were a stay-at-home mom and couldn't justify paying a sitter to come and volunteer with me. Sometimes the project that I was inviting them into might not be in an area that they were really excited to support. But the bigger picture was a little bit more troubling. I heard women say things like, you know, I've given to charity before and I don't think it ever did anything. I never knew when they spent it. I didn't know where the money went or if it mattered. This sense of not having enough knowledge to make a wise decision on where to donate, not having enough money to move the needle and make a difference. And that 
somehow when they gave the money, it would not be stewarded well. And so in that spiral notebook, I started writing down, well, what if I could gather at least a hundred women? And what if each one of them donated a thousand dollars? Now that's a stop and think kind of gift. That's a gift that you, it would bring you pause, even if you were very wealthy. And what if we offered a hundred percent of that money right back to the local community to nonprofits who would apply? And they would apply across five broad focus areas. So any nonprofit's mission would qualify to apply for our grant. And what if we did all this in a completely transparent way where it was one woman, one donation, and one vote? And the women could design their experience. If they had time and interest, they could get involved and they'd learn how to review grant applications and make site visits and do all the other things that the Impact 100 process would require. However, if they chose not to get involved or couldn't, it wouldn't matter. It would remain one woman, one donation, one vote. That was the summer of 2001. By March of 02, we had our 501c3 status as a nonprofit. By May, 123 women had given us a check, and it was a check back then. That was the only way they could pay. We had well over 100 applications. By September, the membership voted and we awarded our first grant for $123,000 to a local dental clinic serving the homeless and uninsured. That was given in this September, actually, this month of 2002. By the end of last year, which is 20 years later, Impact 100s around the globe have now given away more than $123 million. So in 20 years, we've grown a thousandfold and we are still growing because of the power of women, just like you and me. I love that story. And $123 million globally. Crazy, right? It is amazing. Well, and I think I love that people can feel that their generosity or the way that they can give back is actually serving their local communities of the people that they might shop along with or walk by. I just love that there's that sense of connection where we can see ourselves. And what type of, I guess, you know, we're going to be talking about the power of giving back and the benefits of generosity and teams. From your perspective, what type of difference do you think it made not only to the communities, but to those that gave back? How do you think it changed their lives? You know, it's so interesting. Um, I I used to always say, and I I suppose I still do, that at Impact 100, we empower women and we transform communities. And until a couple of years ago, if you'd asked me to quantify what does it mean to empower women, I could give you an anecdote about one woman's story. I could sort of give you this sense. But we've since done this extensive research, and what we know now is that Women, when they join Impact 100, are empowered in the technical sense. They have more agency. They're better informed. They not only understand their community better, but they also understand their place in it and who is out there doing the hero's work and making it better. When I talk to women, they tell me things like, I used to be so worried about this neighborhood in my town or this problem that people faced, whether that was homelessness or food insecurity or anything else. And now I understand 
who the nonprofits are in the area that are really doing the hard work every day to make the world a better place. And in doing so, I'm not as worried about the community. I'm not as worried about the problems because now I know that not only can I help solve them, but there are great leaders in our local area who are doing the right things at the right time and we are seeing positive change. So when I think about what happens to women, I hear things like, I met people who will be my friends for the rest of my life. I met a cause that I never knew about that I'm now passionate about, and it is my sole focus. I was able to affect change in a way that I never thought possible. Part of that's the transparency, but part of that is the biology of giving back and how it really does help to make us more hopeful, more optimistic, and more connected. Oh my gosh, which is what I think we need right now. We had a guest recently on the podcast that was talking about the human energy crisis, that we are burned out. And I recently read an article on Time Magazine. Um, The research was focused on North America, but talking about how the access to mental health has improved, but yet we haven't seen a huge improvement on mental health. And I think that generosity, giving back, showing up for those in need in our communities obviously helps those in need, but then does create that sense of fulfillment and connection that I think we actually all need to combat the stressors of our day-to-day. But let's dive into what this looks like in the workplace. So what do you mean by generosity at work? Exactly what it sounds like. You know, generosity... And when we when we talk about generosity, for me, I'm talking about your giving of your time, talent, or treasure. So although I'll use generosity and philanthropy and giving back sort of all interchangeably, but know that it could involve writing a check, it could it could involve some kind of material gift, but it can also involve giving of your time, giving of your wisdom to organizations and people who need it. In the work environment, we're under a lot of stress. We've got deadlines and projects and budget cuts and all the things that occupy our mind. As leaders in those businesses, we want to build team. We want our employees to trust each other, to enjoy each other's company and to work cohesively, recognizing each other's strengths. This can be hard to execute unless Mm -hmm. you do something intentional. And the thing about generosity in the workplace is that it does, in fact, foster all of those things. And when we talk about generosity, what I'm talking about could be as simple as getting together one day a month to, oh, it could be anything, pick up trash along a bike trail, to paint a building of a nonprofit that needs it, to do some kind of a service project together. When we do that, it feels good. We bond with each other in a much more significant way. We could also have an employee giving program where they might choose to give their own money to a certain nonprofit or group of nonprofits in the local community, and the company might match it in some way or might give them a day of uh, paid vacation time if they choose to go volunteer in the community somewhere. So there are lots of ways it can manifest, but the results are the same. 
Yeah. No, and I, I think I've worked for a few different organizations that have embraced some of those, I guess, activities. I know I've worked for one where we all got together and picked trash. Another time we went and packed food boxes for the homeless. And I worked for another one that if you made a donation up to a certain amount, they would match it to give back to the community. And I love that they did that and they made it for your own local footprint so you could pick those nonprofits. But from my perspective, I feel like generosity could also be giving people the gift of your time at work. Like if someone needs help, if someone is struggling with something, you know, that is, it's the small acts too that we can do inside and outside of the workplace. But let's talk about what's the cost, do you think, if, we, if we're in workplaces where we're not giving back? What do you think, you know, how do you think organizations or teams really miss out when they're not, you know, having that attitude of gratitude or generosity? Well, let me backtrack and say what you're describing in the workplace in terms of that generosity of giving generously of your time to a colleague, that's no small thing. And coming with this sense toward your fellow employees that you are assuming positive intent, give them the generosity of the benefit of the doubt and not always looking at colleagues with a critical eye of is, is, he doing something behind my back? Is she somehow taking credit? Um, viewing your colleagues, viewing your leadership through the lens of generosity can make a powerful difference. Now, to your question of what happens if we don't, if we don't, we really miss an opportunity to authentically connect with each other, to connect with the community, the difference between organizations that foster this sense of generosity, build a culture of generosity, as I often like to say, is that when we build a culture of generosity, your employees are, yes, they're more generous, they're more trusting and trustworthy, they behave in a more ethical manner, they're more creative, they're better at problem solving, they feel more connected. Now, when we look at the workforce, that's what we want our teams to be. We want them to feel all of those things. And the opposite of all those things can be very detrimental to the bottom line. But more than that, when people come together in community and they have that sense and they're more creative, more ethical, more empathetic, they're better at problem solving, that can lift your organization in ways that are hard to measure, but impossible to miss. This is what can transform your team from really good, solid performers to exceptional. And your longevity of your employees in a time now where organizations are arm wrestling to keep those employees and bring in more, you want your employees to feel like, oh my word, this is where I belong. And you might offer me another job, but I belong here. And it would take a lot more than just a fancy title or a few extra dollars in my paycheck to make me leave where I belong. I love that. And I think for the, I know it's actually something that I believe is important to all generations, but the data has shown that it's especially important to uh, millennials and Generation Z of working for an organization that they know gives back that has a sense of purpose and not just making profits. 
And I hear you on the retention front because I want the same. I want a community or an organization that cares. But you listed such a wide range of statistics on the benefits of generosity and giving back. And what came to mind as you were talking about is you talked about empathy and building trust or trustworthiness. Those are the soft skills that we all want. And it sounds like, you know, even just starting with generosity is the way that you can probably build it easier than just saying, now let's go and do this one soft skills class. And, you know, I love, don't get me wrong, at Crosscom, all we do is teach leadership. So, of course, get the leadership classes. But I feel like this is that opportunity to practice outside of play, to, um, or if I even said that expression right, but to just not make it about work and make it about developing those skills outside of the workplace. Because it might be way easier to start to become a more empathetic person when I can blatantly see the person that's in need and that softens me. And I might expend that softness to or to the person that sometimes I get frustrated with or I don't typically have patience with. That's where I'm seeing that as a beautiful organic way to develop it. Yeah, it is a hundred percent. The other thing is, is that it's stickier. So I, I look at empathy and compassion as muscles in the same way that you would not want me to go run a marathon tomorrow because I have not been training. So I would pass out probably at mile two. But when you exercise your empathy muscle, your compassion muscle, when you're generous with people, literally and figuratively, you get better at it. Because in it, and I'm not a neuroscientist, but neuroscientists have documented that when we're generous, we produce oxytocin. Oxytocin is known as the love and trust hormone. Oxytocin doesn't coexist well with cortisol. Cortisol is a stress hormone. So we're stressed at work. We don't feel generous. However, if we do something generous at work, even if it's a scripted activity that your manager has asked you to do, even if you go into it not feeling particularly generous, in the act of doing, in the act of being with others who are doing, your oxytocin levels will go up, which diminishes your cortisol, so your stress goes away. If you look at all the illnesses that when they when you look at what causes all of these things, you'll see it's stress. And stress is that cortisol, that fight or flight that makes your blood pressure race and makes you not sleep at night and makes you agitated and short of patience. That's cortisol. Oxytocin gives you peace. Oxytocin, you have trust. You have love. And the thing is, when I talk about it being a muscle, your body, our bodies, want us to produce more oxytocin. And so when we do something that produces it, our body will be wanting us to do more. And that's even true if you watch someone else be generous. So Jen, if you witness some colleague helping another in your office and you you weren't the recipient and you weren't the giver of the generosity, you just saw it, you'll get a little blast of oxytocin and what how that manifests and I'm sure we've all had this experience you see someone do something really nice or generous and you think in yourself that was so nice I should do that that's the oxytocin saying giddy up let's go do something good to help others 
my gosh, I, I love that. And I can think of a lot of times of when I had that feeling or that oxytocin hit of this is beautiful to watch the kindness of people and even the show that comes to mind and our audiences maybe outside of the U.S. might not know it, but there was a show called What Would You Do where they would yes. script these scenarios and there would typically be a person in need and they would see if anyone would intervene and help. And of course, that magical moment was when you realized someone reached out, went out of their comfort zone or out of their way and stepped up to help someone. I cried at that show all the time. Because <laughs> it's beautiful. I know that show that. well. And you keep thinking... <laughs> I hope I would be the good person, right? You're like, please let me be the good person because in the show you're describing, the scenarios weren't easy to be helpful. It took some personal risk. And um, I think that's part of what makes it so incredibly powerful. Hi everyone, it's Jen. And I'm just coming to you because we need your help. Presscom International, the organization that hosts the Leadership Habit podcast that I proudly work for, is looking to expand their network of people that are committed to creating more ethical, engaging, and human leaders. Now, how is that relevant to you? Well, we're looking for referrals. Do you know someone that is interested in giving back and being an entrepreneur and owning their own business, or that wants to make a difference and is passionate about leadership development? Well, I'm excited to share with you that Crestcom has just launched a referral program. If you know someone, maybe it's a past mentor or a boss that's interested in making a career change and wanting to leverage the knowledge and their experience in the classroom, send them our way. We have this new program and here's the scoop. We've designed an easy to use referral form available on crestcom.com forward slash referrals. And you can visit the site submit your referrals, and access all of the rules along with required terms and conditions. Here's the sweet spot of this. If you refer a successful candidate, we'll give you $2,500. Now we want to expand and make our mission even greater, but we can't do that without your help. So if you know someone that would be interested in becoming a franchisee for an amazing leadership development organization that wants to get into the classroom and make a difference, head on over to crestcom.com forward slash referrals today and help us impact your workplaces and the leaders that you work with. Here's the only caveat. Please note that this program is currently open to applicants based in the United States only. I love even just talking about stress because we're at a point where people are so incredibly burned out at work. They're just not feeling their best. They're stressed out. And if you're looking for a way to help soften and alleviate that, provide the opportunities to give, you know, give them that. And I think that research that you were talking about, you know, it's supported with even other forms of the ways that we give. Gratitude. I've read a lot of research around the power of gratitude and helping us shift out of a stress response that we're in, that fight, flight, or freeze. We shift our focus to something that we're grateful for. It can actually do and have that similar effect where we have that oxytocin and our cortisol levels start to reduce. But yet, why do you think people don't care about this stuff sometimes? Like, what <laughs> I feel like it's, you know, it's the thing that we don't necessarily think of in the workplace because that's what we do on our personal time. You can volunteer and get back. Why do you think that organizations aren't embracing this? Is it too woo woo for them to really feel that? Or why do you think some organizations might be like, that's probably not what we need? You know, I would tell you there are probably a number of different reasons. Some might be all interrelated. But if the 
leadership, if people at the top are not authentically generous, they might not see the value, right? So um, instead of you, in that case, the organization should really start with leadership, let them get a taste of it before they implement it down to everyone else. The other thing is sometimes leaders will get concerned that their brand might go places that they don't agree with. In other words, if they give their employees too much bandwidth, too much permission to just help anywhere, if they were helping an organization that for whatever reason wasn't aligned with the brand of the company, that could get dicey. Or they think it will cost them too much money. Now, all of these things can be mitigated and frankly should be mitigated for everyone's benefit. We can put guardrails on then the company at a, at a high level could identify a handful of nonprofits and say, here are the options we have in our community and we're going to go do a day of service or we're going to raise money, you know, and we're going to have different departments within the organization compete to see who can raise money for, you know, one of these organizations. So do things that are aligned with your values, aligned with the brand of your organization, yet allow the employees some flexibility in how they participate and in which organizations they might choose. When we do that, it's a win for everybody. And what we'll find is that, you know, your first time introducing this concept to your staff and to your senior leadership team, you know, we're going to need these training wheels. We're going to need some guardrails and we're going to, you know, sort of perhaps make it fairly prescriptive on how it goes. What I typically see happen in companies, though, is that it starts that way because somebody's afraid, right? Somebody's uncomfortable and somebody's afraid. But once you start to do it and you recognize that your employees are really generous and they're really kind and they're really smart and they want to protect your brand just like you do and the dynamic of this freedom to be authentically who they are in the workplace, to give to the charities they care about. I can't tell you how many times I've met with very high-powered men and women in in industries like IT, you know, or accounting. And they're very serious and they're very good at what they do. And you find out that their passion outside of work that they've never told a living soul about is the Humane Society or is a rescue shelter for animals or you know, whatever it is. And it's like, they almost felt sheepish about admitting, yeah, I spend my spare time on Saturdays petting the puppies and kittens at the shelter because otherwise they don't get any attention. They thought that it would weaken them as leaders. What they found is that it strengthened them because they could share authentically who they were, who they are. And When you do that, especially as a leader, but even as any member of a company, you invite others to do the same. And when we let our guards down and we start to be who we really are, we start building that trust. We start building those bonds and you'll start to realize you're not the only person who has a passion that might be surprising or that you are so committed to people in your work never knew about because it never came up. Well, you invite these conversations, things like that come up. 
I never even thought of that. That sounds like a great small talk question to even ask at a team meeting. What is a cause that you're passionate about? Because there is so much that we learn about someone based on their causes, whether it's I had a mother that had breast cancer or someone that had ALS or I care about, you know, I volunteer at the veterinary society. I think there's so much that we can learn based on these things that, yeah, there's not necessarily always that platform to share it. You might also feel like, I don't want you to think I'm special. I do this because I care. Uh, And so I can get that sheepishness of not wanting to draw attention because even with me, like I, as a speaker, I built a lot of my business into just doing things for free and then doing things paid. But I have talked at homeless shelters. I have talked for youth like nonprofits. Um, I have last year, I volunteered with a group of like high school students and it's so incredibly important, but I very, I guess it feels even awkward saying this right now because I typically don't, I just go out and do it in my community instead of saying, let's do this. But it does make me feel better. And I'm way more aware. I learned so much about Denver um, and these youth and the backgrounds that they came from and the countries that their parents had come from and the struggles that they had. Or I can think of like the homeless um, shelter that I've spoken at and just hearing about the adversity that some of these individuals have overcome and that they actually are trying to figure out what they can do to improve themselves. You really do get that firsthand visibility into what's going on in your community. So now we got to dive into the, to the solution. So how do we build a generous culture? How do we bring generosity into the workplace? It could be at the individual or team or organizational level. What are some tips that you might have? So um, actually, the idea of an icebreaker question at staff meetings, I think that is a brilliant way to begin to open the doors of conversation. And, and that becomes small. Often around the holidays, and my gosh, year end is racing toward us at a a breakneck pace. There are lots of companies who, toward the end of the year, they maybe they want to adopt a cause for the holidays and allow the members of the team to bring things in. So sometimes, you know, at back to school, you might be filling backpacks with school supplies. At year end, you might be providing holiday gifts for families in need, or you might be providing things for the local animal shelter. You might partner with someone like a homeless shelter in order to meet the needs of the people. It can start off sort of simply. You could have a central location where people could pick up. I'm going to adopt this family to bring them Thanksgiving dinner, not bring it to them personally, usually. Usually you bring it to the organization that does the delivering, but you're adopting a family. You're buying things for them. You are getting them their meal or whatever it is, depending on your organization and and where in the community you want to serve. Doing something at year end at the holidays is a natural time. November and December in this country, because of Thanksgiving and then all of the December holidays, We are typically thinking about gift giving. We're thinking about other people. We're thinking about generosity. And so it would be very natural to work that in. There are a lot of companies that give their clients gifts, gifts of, you know, corporate swag or pies or hams or whatever, whatever the corporate gift might be. Company might say, instead this year, write a letter to all of their clients and say, in your name, because we appreciate your business, 
we donated to this place. Um, it's thank you so much for allowing us to serve you and now allowing us to help meet the needs of this local organization. So there are, there are lots of time-based opportunities where it feels very natural and it doesn't feel like, oh, you know, here's the program du jour. Now we're all going to be working on our generosity. It feels more authentic when we can tie it to something in the calendar that we're doing otherwise. But beyond that, when you are done making sort of baby steps and entrees into it, when you really want to get to the next level, engage your employees and engage every area of the company. So by that, I mean HR. HR might be able to work with you to make sure that we're offering diverse opportunities for people to get involved in diverse ways. There might be awards that could receive, could mean something like a day of paid vacation, several days of paid vacation. Maybe there's an award system, a plaque, a recognition, like all of these are more of your HR. You definitely want the accounting and CFO folks involved because if you're going to set aside some corporate money that you're going to match whatever your employees do, you want to know what that looks like and start to identify which you know, buckets they might come out of. And then you've got your backroom operations people as well as your front of the house, more sales people. You want everybody involved because your back of the house people can't leave for a day typically and go rake leaves or or paint something. But your front of the house has more flexibility. So you want to be looking at those employees, looking at the opportunities and looking at your community so that it's everybody's engaged. But as I said before, it all begins at the top of the house. Your C-suite people need to stay focused and be more public than they might otherwise be with the causes they care about and how they feel about the community and where they really choose to lend their time, talent, or treasure. I love, I love so much. Yes, it absolutely starts at the top that inspires that attitude of giving. But I like that perspective. Instead of giving a gift to someone in the form of a fruit basket or whatever that holiday end of year gift is, make a donation in their name. I think that's a really great idea. And for those that might be um, thinking, oh my gosh, I don't have the money to be able to donate it. You know, generosity at work might even just be, again, giving your time volunteering to be a mentor to someone. When you start out in your career, think about how much you don't know. And likely, if you're listening to this, you have more experience in your career. So what do you have to share with someone? And look for opportunities to give it, either make time or even as an executive, make the time for a lunch and learn where people can sit down and connect with you. Um, and, you know, it's those little things that we can still do by just showing up for others in our workplace. It doesn't always have to be waiting for that once a year thing that we're going to do. We could do it every single day by just showing up for someone else. I just have to like end with that because I want people to think that, you know, there's so many ways that you can be generous. The important piece is that you, you are generous and use what feels right for you or what is within your abilities. Um, Wendy, I appreciate what you brought forward to our podcast. How can our listeners get more in touch with or get in touch with you and learn more about Impact 100? 
Oh, thank you, Jen. This has been amazing. Um, your viewers can go to wendyhsteel.com or impact100global.org in order to find me. I'm also on social media. So I think most places I'm Wendy H. Steele, but it's pretty easy to find me that way as well. So I really appreciate it. This has been so much fun. Fantastic. Good. And everyone go out and check out Wendy's work. 123 million around the world is no small feat. Look at how you can connect with Impact 100. And Wendy, thank you so much for coming by the Leadership Habit to talk about the power of generosity at work. Uh, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Leadership Habit Podcast. I hope that you were inspired by Wendy's story, the mission of Impact 100, and understanding the neuroscience, the benefits of why we need to bring generosity into the workplace. I hope that this also inspires you to look at how you might be able to support Impact 100 or how you can even give the gift of your time to someone in your organization. Just remember that as much as it's going to help you, it helps them. And it's together we rise. We need everyone to show up for one another so we can build healthier communities. Now, if you enjoyed this or you want to spread awareness about Impact 100 to boost that number of giving across local communities, uh, share this episode with people. Let them know about it or share them and tell them, hey, we need to actually think about how we can give back. And finally, if you have been looking to develop yourself as a leader, you want to know different ways to build empathy, like what Wendy and I were talking about, head on over to crestcom.com. We would love to offer a two-hour complimentary leadership skills workshop to help you and your team thrive and succeed together. Until next time.